Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 87 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is The Biohacking Bombshell, an interview with Alyssa Lascala. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Today's podcast guest is the dynamic Alyssa Lascala, known on Instagram as The Biohacking Bombshell. Ms. Lascala is a 29-year-old integrative health practitioner from Reading, Pennsylvania. Ms. Lascala's Lyme disease journey began at the end of her sophomore year of college. Two high-stress events triggered extreme fatigue. She saw her primary care physician, who surprisingly tested her for Lyme disease. Ms. Lascala's Western blot test came back positive. The doctor prescribed doxycycline for three weeks, but it didn't help her symptoms. After six months of no relief, Ms. Lascala requested that her doctor retest her. She came up positive for Lyme disease once again. The second test triggered a desire in Ms. Lascala to connect with members of the Lyme disease community on social media. After graduating from college, she worked four jobs, but her body couldn't handle the stress and her symptoms worsened. She developed new symptoms like depression and brain fog. At the advice and urging of fellow Lymeys, Ms. Lascala sought the help of a Lyme literate doctor. Ms. Lascala's Lyme disease experience changed the entire course of her personal and professional life. Her experience has allowed her to develop a successful business that has enriched her life through helping others suffering from Lyme disease and autoimmune disorders. Hey, Alyssa Lascalan, welcome to the program. Hello, thank you so much for having me. We're blessed to have you, Alyssa. So can you tell us uh, where you're calling in from? I am from Reading, Pennsylvania, like on the Monopoly board, the Reading Railroad. I'm pretty close to that. <laughs> so Alyssa, can you share with us a little about your background? Yes, yeah, so um, I am currently an integrative health practitioner. Um, I've always been into health and wellness in general, and um, I focus now completely on helping people that have gone through the challenging journey of Lyme, people that have um, other health issues, autoimmune issues, and that has all been because of my journey. Well, so where did you grow up? I grew up probably about 30 minutes from Reading. So it's a place called Boyertown, Pennsylvania. So I haven't moved too far as I was getting older. So you spent most of your life in Pennsylvania? Yeah, absolutely. I haven't ever lived in any other state. And where did you go to college? Uh, or Sinus College. So that's about 30 minutes from where I grew up in Boyertown. And what did you major in when you went to college? Exercise and sports science. So like I said, I've always been into health and wellness, but this is a totally different level. So let's talk about when you first started to show the symptoms of what you now know to be your tick disease. When did you first show your symptomology? I was actually in college. So I, I kind of chalked it up to just being tired from burning the candle at both ends. You know, you're a college student. I was actually 20 years old. So I was a junior in college. I was studying, uh, you know, kinesiology, exercise physiology, trying to work at the same time keep up with the social life. And I was always tired. I was going to take naps at least once, if not twice a day for two to three hours at a time. And that's just where it started. Uh, so for me, it was extreme fatigue, which was really hard to pinpoint to Lyme disease. But that's when the fatigue set in initially. Now, did you show any symptoms of fatigue or any type of immune disorder prior to that time when you were 20 years old? Honestly, no, it was all within that same year. I had a lot of different stressful variables going on. Um, I had a surgery, I had a breakup I went through, and then I had school. So I just looked at it as I'm really stressed, and this is a stressful season in my life, but I didn't have this type of fatigue ever before. Now, what did you know about ticks and tick diseases prior to your symptoms beginning to reveal themselves? 
I remember when I was actually in high school, somebody that I was a cheerleader and one of the girls in my cheerleading squad had had Lyme disease. And I remember that she was out for maybe like about uh, a week or, or two weeks. And, and that was really it. And that was my only exposure to it. I thought you had to find a, uh, a bullseye in order to be able to say, hey, hey, I had Lyme. And then you just took an antibiotic and you were better. Um, but that was my only exposure to it was just one acquaintance. And it seems like after a couple of weeks, she was fine. Do you recall ever having been bitten by a tick prior to your tick disease symptoms presenting no. themselves? I've never actually found one on my skin, embedded in my skin at all, on my clothing. That was it. But you did find ticks walking on your clothing. You don't ever remember a tick biting you. Correct. Share with us how your symptoms began to develop when you started to feel the fatigue that you were feeling in college. Well, my only symptom, I know some people will experience, you know, like joint pain or headaches or this or that. Honestly, the only thing was fatigue. So how my symptoms progressed was just, okay, well, I'm, I'm studying for a test or finals and I started to have to have like a five hour energy to be able to stay awake. Right. And then I started to have energy drinks over, you know, that summer. And then in the fall, I just, I ended up taking more and more naps. And so I guess how it progressed was I was trying to artificially stimulate my body and quote unquote supplement with caffeine when I had never, ever had the need to have caffeine before that time ever. Like I was never coffee person, barely ever tea, never energy drinks. So I had to start to supplement that way and then start doing naps. So that's basically the biggest progression that I had before I got the diagnosis. So when did you first begin to see a doctor? I was in my junior year, as I said, and when I was experiencing so much fatigue and the other roommates I was living with noticed, they said, listen, over fall break, you need to go get checked. And I'm like, okay. And you know, if you go to WebMD or Google and type in that you're fatigued and that's a symptom, there could be a million different things. So I went to my primary care physician. That was it. I didn't even think Lyme disease was going to be something that was in the cards. And she tested me for a bunch of different things. She wanted to see, you know, if I had blood sugar regulation issues, if I was anemic and Lyme disease was what came back positive. So that was probably six months after I started experiencing my symptoms. My roommates were on me long enough to say, you need to go get checked. That I just went to my primary care physician. She ran the test and I had Lyme and that was my first encounter with the doctor. So now, one of the things that's been unique in our experience is to have a quick diagnosis. Why do you think you were able to get such a speedy diagnosis? Honestly, I think about that a lot and I'm like, I don't know because honestly, the way they went and treated it, I, we can go into that. I'm sure we will in a little bit. The diagnosis was great. The treatment is a different story. And I think it's a lot easier to diagnose than it is to treat. In fact, I know that. But I was really surprised that they went and ran a Lyme test because I've worked with a lot of clients in my practice that they go forever getting undiagnosed. And I'm like, I don't understand how my doctor, quote unquote, knew to test that. Um, I don't know if it was a protocol within their specific practice or just because Pennsylvania does have like the most cases of Lyme. Uh, but I ended up going to a chronic disease specialist. A, a couple of years after that, and they told me that honestly, the tests weren't even done correctly in the first place. So it was done, but just not complete. 
Columbia University conducted a study several years ago where they found that the average Lyme disease patient requires at least seven different doctor's visits before their initial diagnosis. So you have a very unique situation, and I guess maybe it's because you either went to a doctor that is following a unique, unique protocol or in the state of Pennsylvania, the doctors are doing a better job. So you were really blessed to have such a speedy diagnosis. Now, Diagnosis, yes, for sure. Looking back, do you believe that you were bitten by a tick at some time in your past and then these traumatic events that you were facing triggered an immune challenge that allowed the uh, Lyme disease to present itself? Or do you think you were bitten by a tick just before you were diagnosed? I think it was in my system. I think it was in my system. And then I had had breast implants um, put in six months before I was diagnosed. So you know, when your body is suppressed and we're seeing so many people with breast implants having Lyme disease as well or having mold toxicity, when your immune system is suppressed, that's when it's going to rear its face. You know, it's a very opportunistic um, disease. So I completely believe that I had probably been bitten and, but my doctor had said that if I never found a bite that I didn't have Lyme disease, (laughs) she ran the test anyway and she found it. So it kind of goes to show you that it was very incongruent, the diagnosis with the belief system of the conventional medicine world. But I believe it was probably in my system for a while because we've had Lyme disease with almost all of our dogs and they have had ticks on them. So it's very likely. Alyssa, let's talk more about what you did to treat the Lyme after it was diagnosed by your primary care physician. What treatment did you get and how long were you on it for? So they did three weeks of doxycycline. And I didn't know any better. I didn't know anybody else that had Lyme. So I'm like, okay, that's good. And that's what I did. And I told them after I was done those three weeks, I said, I'm still tired. I'm still feeling symptoms. And they said, well, it could take up to six months for it to leave your system. So basically I had to wait for six months to see, am I feeling better? And then we could quote unquote retest and maybe run another three weeks of doxycycline if it came back positive. So that's what I did. We just did three weeks of doxy. I waited six months, still felt like crap. I went back to my doctor and said, I don't think we got it all. I talked to other people that have done six weeks, 12 weeks, like much longer protocols. And I said, I don't think that we, we hit it. And she said that she basically told me I was a hypochondriac and I'm not, I'm not over exaggerating there. That is exactly what she told me. She said, if it makes you feel better, we'll retest, but you didn't get rebitten. So you, it's out of your system. You don't have it. (laughs) And I insisted on retesting. So we did. And it came back positive again. So we ran three weeks of doxycycline again. And um, I kind of went through fluctuations over that next year of felt a little bit better for a very short period of time. Then my symptoms came back again. And that's when I um, went and sought out a chronic disease specialist to go a little bit more in depth. Alyssa, can you describe first what it was like when you first started taking doxycycline? A lot of people have adverse reactions and, and weird effects. So did you encounter anything different when you first started taking the doxycycline? I felt nauseous. That was the biggest thing for me because my stomach has never been solid. So of course, if you're taking an antibiotic and it's ruining your, you know, it's causing dysbiosis of the gut, completely ruining the balance of your microbiome. So it's just, it, I was already set up for disaster there with my, um, you know, genetic predisposition. But that was really the only thing that I experienced that I could probably note right now. And on that note, did you do anything while on the doxycycline to counter the effects it was doing to your gut? So for example, did you take any probiotics or anything like that? No, I didn't know what I know now. Back then, I had no idea. 
I had absolutely no idea. So no, I just continued eating the same things, didn't do a probiotic, no prebiotics, nothing. When did you decide to go to this chronic illness specialist after the second time of being on the doxycycline after your second positive Lyme test and still not feeling better after that? Yeah, because I felt like we were missing something and I had actually gone back to my PCP and said, well, you know, we did three weeks of doxy the first time. It clearly didn't get rid of it. Can we do more this time? And they fought me on that. They said, no, we can't do more than that. Like their protocol for that office was only three weeks. And that was just how it was. So I thought, you know, maybe I need to go see somebody that is chronic disease specialist or Lyme literate. Um, so I went and sought him out and he was the doctor that said, well, she didn't do the test right in the first place. She only ran, you know, the Western blot. And um, then he retested me and I came up negative. And so he was like, you may not have ever had Lyme at all. This could have been like a false positive. And at that point I was completely like, seriously, what the heck is wrong with me? He was like, I don't know what's wrong with you, but it's not Lyme. That's what he told me. And I was sent on my way and that was it. So that's when I went and sought out somebody that was in the functional medicine realm. Alyssa, unfortunately, it's not uncommon. We just posted a podcast today to our platform with Laura McLeod, who was diagnosed and had a positive test, was treated for Lyme, was still sick, and then was told, well, maybe you never had Lyme to begin with. And maybe this is just something that's all in your head. So it's, it's a yes. really bad reality of Lyme disease, unfortunately. Unfortunately, it is. Looking back at your initial diagnosis and treatment, what would you recommend for yourself to fight for back then and for our listeners who are in that position now as far as how long you should be on doxycycline for once you get a diagnosis in the state you were in? I personally don't feel comfortable telling somebody because I'm not a doctor. I'm an integrated health practitioner, but I'm not a doctor. I'm not a Lyme literate doctor. So I don't feel comfortable being like, you should be on doxycycline or any antibiotic for this long. To be totally honest, I would be recommending somebody that is a Lyme literate MD that has dealt with this for you know years and that takes an integrative approach to look at what else is going on because I don't think an antibiotic is enough. It's just not. We, there's so many other co-infections that go along with it. So I don't want to make like a blanket statement and say, I wish I would have taken it for this many months because from my research, and you know, there's always new stuff coming out, but because I never got a bite, I don't know how long I had Lyme. And from some of the studies that are out there, you know, if you don't, hit the spirochetes, if you don't hit that line within 48 to 72 hours of first being bit when you're taking doxycycline, um, you know, taking doxy could actually make the spirochetes more resilient and it end up working against you in the long run. And that's what I have found in some of the studies that I've come across. So I don't know if I would have recommended myself to take that at all. I may have gone a completely different route. So before you saw your, now your chronic disease specialist, did you do any research prior to that? And what were your findings before going to see this doctor? Honestly, I, I did it. I was still so run by, even though I was going to school, exercise, sports science, learning, like really valued scientific studies, I was not as integrative at that point in my journey. It was kind of that saying where you don't know what you don't know. And I still had a lot of faith and trust within the traditional and conventional medicine system versus integrative and functional. And so I very much took it as any advice that I got from a chronic disease specialist. I'm thinking they're the specialist. You know, I'm just going to listen to what they say. I did not do any pre-research before going in. It was more just conversations with other Lymeys. That was the most research I had done. It was more inquiries. So walk us through what it was like on your first visit seeing this chronic disease specialist. Oh my God, he had no bedside manner. And I just... 
I'm like, I'm so emotional right now. And I'm wondering what's wrong with me. And you're talking to me like a robot. And basically, like, I don't know what's wrong with you. But you know, you don't have Lyme. It was so nerve wracking. And I mean, you guys know, with your experience going through this disease, you need someone that has somewhat of a somewhat of empathy, right? I know doctors can see a lot of patients, but this is such a mental aspect to this. And when someone has already been through the ringer, going through other specialists, not getting accurate diagnosis or accurate treatment or protocols, you really need somebody that cares. And so it was very difficult um, emotionally to go to that person and to be looked at more of just a number, just looking at data. And um, so it was, it was not a good experience and I didn't have a good feeling. So ultimately it was a blessing that he couldn't treat me and that I had to go find somebody else. So the end result was he told you that he couldn't treat you and you needed to move on to another doctor? Yes. He flat out said straight words were, I don't know what's wrong with you, but you don't have Lyme, so I can't help you. And what emotional impact did that have on you? Now, knowing that Lyme causes mental health related issues, and now you're being told it's not Lyme, go see another doctor, and this guy being totally rude to you in, in this doctor's appointment. I, you kind of go back to that, is it all in my head thing? Like, <laughs> what the heck if I want to buffer my curse words of what I was really thinking at that point I'm like I don't understand how I could be going through this I had Lyme now I don't the effect on that was you know what my mind was really tapped out but my heart was like you need to keep researching because what was my alternative I couldn't just accept that I couldn't just sit there and think oh, okay I don't have Lyme so whatever, I guess I'm just going to be exhausted and take naps in my car throughout the day the rest of my life. That's what I was doing as a personal trainer at that point. So I knew I just had to go seek out more people. But it was very, very debilitating to make you feel like maybe I am a hypochondriac. It's very, very hard. And you need a family of supportive people or a supportive circle to get through that. Did you have a circle of supportive people that helped you to get through that? Well, a lot of people don't understand Lyme disease to the fullest, right? They had the understanding that I did. So they didn't, they weren't like supportive in the phase of, oh, okay, I, I understand that you're not crazy type thing. It was more of clearly there's something wrong with you. So even if it's not Lyme, let's keep looking. I was, like I said, I was probably 23 by the time I got to that doctor. And so my dad had had cancer since I was eight. So ultimately I'd been dealing with some serious health issues within my family for the last 12 years. So my dad had gone through the ringer with some of his experiences of having something that was wrong with him and doctors not necessarily being able to label it or diagnose it, diagnose it. But he gave me the faith that I needed to keep on moving. So it was very much in my family to begin with. Did the diagnosis that it was all in your head have an impact on any of your social relationships? Meaning, were you in a romantic relationship and the discourse doubt in that relationship? Were you um, in relationships with other people socially who started to doubt you because you were not getting a positive diagnosis? I think it was before I got the diagnosis that that was hard. It was when I was tired. I was in a relationship. I was tired um, instead of going out. I wanted to stay in and take a nap. I couldn't even stay awake, like through a movie, watch TV. And uh, I know that that was, he was a very caring and loving person, but of course it's really frustrating to him. And so once I got the initial diagnosis, it kind of made him accept that more and not think, 
oh, you know, you're not in love with me or you don't feel like being with me or whatever. So the diagnosis kind of brought a little bit of a peace of mind and understanding for him initially. But later down the road, you know, I'd already had Lyme and been treated for it twice. So to say that now all of a sudden I didn't have it, most people understood that that was kind of a load of crap and that we had to keep looking. So I don't think it was as difficult as if I would have never gotten a diagnosis in the first place. So Alyssa, what were your next steps now that this chronic illness doctor told you he can't treat you, he doesn't think it's Lyme and you need to move on to another doctor? I just started talking to a lot more people with Lyme disease. Um, honestly, I don't, I think I've always been really transparent about my journey. So it was either people reaching out to me through Facebook, um, any type of like, you know, social media out there and just having conversations with my family, my friends and them pointing me in the direction of other people that had gone through Lyme. And so my grandmother actually uh, got in contact with my old preschool teacher from the initial church I grew up in and her whole family that lived right down the street from us had Lyme, every single person in the family. And so I had a conversation with her saying, what did you do? Because I'm at a loss here. And she pointed me in the direction of an LLMD that took the integrative functional medicine approach. So I just kept digging because I, what was my alternative? I couldn't live life like this. I was at that point, I was 23. So I just had to keep going. Alyssa, this is now three years after your initial diagnosis. Did you develop any new symptoms since the Lyme was never properly treated over this three-year window of trying to find a good doctor that can actually help treat your, your root causes? Fatigue and brain fog. It was like, like when I say fatigue, it was like <laughs> initial fatigue of like, okay, I need to take a nap. So like, I can't even get out of bed. I need caffeine to function. I had started band-aiding and doctoring myself in different ways because I didn't know any better. So amongst all of this, like I kind of gave you the different practitioners that I had seen in the Lyme realm, <laughs> but in those three years, I still had ended up going to um, an endocrinologist in Philadelphia to see were my hormone levels out of whack. We were testing thyroid, we were testing testosterone, we were testing, you know, female hormones to look at those things. They basically said I was a type A personality and I just needed to relax. That's why I was so tired. So that was that. <laughs> um, and then I had also seen a psychologist saying, oh, well, you're tired because you're depressed. And I'm like, no, I'm kind of depressed because I'm so freaking tired and nobody can tell me what's wrong with me. So they had put me on, they had switched different um, antidepressants I was on, Zoloft, Lexapro. I was put on Wellbutrin and then um, Adderall to try and quote unquote regulate my sleep. And when I had brain fog, oh, I had ADHD. That's why I had to be on Adderall. So there were so many other Band-Aids in the meantime. Um, as I was trying to figure this out. So my symptoms basically just worsened from what they were before. So with the fatigue and the extreme brain fog, forgetting words, et cetera. So Alyssa, let's first look at what was happening while you were in school, because this developing symptomology was, was taking place while you were in college. Did this have an impact on your ability to study and complete uh, your studies on time to graduate it within the four years I'm sure you were targeting? So because the Lyme was diagnosed and started to um, really sink its teeth in during my junior year, the beginning of it, that was when I first took my, like, my first round of doxycycline was my junior year. So I only had, like, I had two years left, right? So my junior year, um, I ended up going through the antibiotic usage and I still continued the same type of like exercise regimen I was doing um, and whatnot. So my body could still bear the stress load that was on it. Um, I did have to take more naps, but that was how 
I kind of counterbalanced it. My senior year, I had to pull back from like, like I wasn't going out. If I went out, I was not drinking like the typical college. Hey, just being social. I completely changed my diet. So I was doing things to reduce the stress load and to help my body operate at a higher level at that point. Um, but towards the end of my senior year, I had to start taking Adderall to be able to focus, to be able to stay awake. I did be able to get through that year, but that was a really, really challenging year. And after I graduated, that's when it got so, so much worse. Did you begin to work after you graduated from college? Yeah, I was that typical college student that, you know, you have six months before you have to pay off your student loan. So I was working three to four jobs at a time and I completely wiped myself. So that was very difficult. That was very, very difficult. And that exacerbated my issues. What impact did your Lyme disease have on your capacity to perform at your three or four jobs? Um, well, eventually I had to cut back on them. I had to still consistently live at home because those jobs enough weren't enough to be able to help me be able to have my own place. And if I wanted to be able to pay for, you know, treatments and doctor's visits, I had to counterbalance that by staying at home and working more and you're kind of burning the candle at both ends. But I share this with you guys outside of this podcast, my health and wellness business and personal training and writing nutritional plans, that was a lot more in person in the beginning. And I had to transition to having a virtual practice because of my illness. So that was a big transition there. Alyssa, during this three-year window that we've talked about so far, did you ever go and have any autoimmune tests done or consider any type of autoimmune type diseases? I didn't until I, until 2015, when I went to my integrative MD. So that was when I actually first heard about autoimmune. Honestly, I had never heard about that beforehand. I knew I had gut issues before, but didn't know how it could be classified as contributing to autoimmune. So that was the first time that I actually ran more functional medicine labs and address the autoimmune spectrum in general. So I was, uh, I guess I was about five years in at that point. Yeah, I was five years into my Lyme journey until I looked at autoimmune. Did anything occur between the three-year window we, we sort of left off at when you left your chronic disease specialist, you went on this self-discovery journey, and then two years later, you found this, this new doctor, it's integrated doctor who helped you start looking at the autoimmune issues? Yeah. So what had occurred in the meantime was some of the, some of the band-aids that I had mentioned as we were, I know we're kind of trying to clump things uh, together here, but basically between the chronic disease specialist I went to that said he couldn't help me and me finding my integrative MD, that was where in the meantime, until I did discover him and find him, I had gone to a psychiatrist that was playing around with medications, And I had gone to an endocrinologist that ran a bunch of tests and said, I was just a type A personality and I just needed to relax. And that's why I was tired. So it was those other two specialists that weren't Lyme literate MDs. Well, so let's talk more about this integrative doctor. What was that experience like versus your encounter with all of the other traditional doctors you had seen prior to that? Well, it was a really difficult decision for me to initially make because as I'm sure you guys know, once you kind of go out of the conventional medicine world, insurance doesn't tend to cover that. So it can be a big deterrent from you wanting and going to get the help that you know you need, but you may not necessarily be able to afford. So that was another thing that delayed me going to this MD once I found out about him. Um, but I kept getting more and more and more sick. And my now husband, but he was my boyfriend at the, that time had said, listen, you're not going to get any better. Like, 
we basically, we, I opened a credit card and I just swiped it and it was expensive, but I had to go and see him. So it was very scary and nerve wracking experience to put a lot of dollars and trust into somebody where, you know, you've already gone through how many specialists and doctors and hoping that this is your final answer. So it was exciting to think I could possibly figure out what else is going on, but it was nerve wracking because you're hoping that all the dollars you're delegating towards this attempt are actually going to pan out in your favor. So it was a great experience once I was there and I realized how much he could help me and the factors that nobody else had addressed before, but it caused a lot of anxiety anticipating that moment. So how are these experiences impacting your professional growth? Oh my gosh. I wouldn't have my business if I didn't have this experience. Like I, I really, I would I truly believe because I am a spiritual person, I am very rooted in my faith. And I do believe that God gives his toughest battles to the strongest soldiers. And I have no problem being transparent and vocal about my experience. And as you guys know, with this journey, the reason why you're doing this podcast is so people can tell their stories. And so I wouldn't have had a story to tell if I didn't have this. I wouldn't have been able to help people if I didn't have it, there, there would have been no reason for me to go and learn about it. There would have been if I wanted to just go and do some research and dive into it, but it's nothing like having your own experience. So ultimately it was a blessing because I was required not only to learn about Lyme, but everything else that goes along with it, that Lyme disease people deal with, that people with autoimmune deal with. So it's absolutely exploded my knowledge, my ability to be able to relate to people, the amount of people that I can help. It ultimately, it's tough but it's a total blessing. Well, so let's talk now about what you did after your visit to this integrative doctor, what whole body approaches you took that were different than what you did before. Yeah. So doing functional medicine lab work, I don't know how familiar some of the people listening to this are with that, but you know, a lot of times we're just, we're used to looking at labs as, Hey, how about we just draw some blood and it's like serum lab work, looking at like, you know, blood plasma. And there's so much more to be found when you're doing functional medicine labs, meaning, okay, you're looking at stool, right? You're going to be able to look at, do you have additional parasites? Do you have viruses? Do you have a bacterial imbalances? Um, do you want to run different types of like urine tests to look at, do you have heavy metal toxicity? Do you have mold toxicity? Do you have any other things that are burdening your body that no other doctors had looked at before. So it really was the integrative approach of looking at how the systems of the body are working by doing more than just blood work. Um, and I had never had that done before. And also integrating, like he would also, if, if you need to do an antibiotic or you need to do some type of prescription medication, he would incorporate that because there are times where this stuff is absolutely necessary, but also looking at um, supplementation and looking at the other systems of the body, looking at nutrition, looking at adjusting your toxic load in order to be able to heal. You have to look at your body as a system. And I never had somebody do that before. Now that you went to this, this integrative doctor and you're taking this whole body approach, what specific treatment did you start that you weren't previously on? So we addressed the other systems that we could tell were compromised. Uh, we looked at things such as like, you know, adrenal fatigue, whether you're in the, or technically it's like an HPA axis dysfunction. I just say adrenal fatigue because most people have heard of that before, could label that, whether you're having like adrenal resistance, whether you're having thyroid suppression um, and things like that. So we saw that my thyroid levels were lower. They were still in normal range, which any other doctor may have seen and said, 
which they had looked at and said, you're in normal range, but it wasn't functional. So we addressed that. Um, we addressed the uh, imbalance of bacteria in the gut, dysbiosis of the gut, trying to get rid of, you know, biofilms that Lyme builds up so that other toxicities don't get in there. So we took various different steps to be able to supplement properly to support my body. But we also did have some other like prescription medications and things to be able to supplement my body while it was healing so that it could reduce the stress to be able to heal the way that it was supposed to. And in that depleted state, it was not going to happen. Alyssa, can you give us an example of some of the supplements you were on to treat the things like your, your gut imbalance and your hormone imbalance and what prescription medication you were on to help with the symptoms while you were treating these other systems in your body? Right, right. So I, I we'll start with prescription and I can go into supplement because um, some of the supplements, I mean, you know, there's a million of them out there and some of them my doctor started me on. But at this point, I had also started doing my own research and I implemented a lot on my own. Um, as far as prescription medications, I, I had gotten a four-part saliva adrenal, um, like a cortisol testing, right? So spit in a tube four times in a day to see what your cortisol pattern was. And we had seen that basically I had like none. <laughs> so that's absolutely essential. Cortisol is essential in order to be able to deal with stressors. It's a natural thing in the body but mine was very suppressed. Now, depending on what doctor you go to, and I'm not saying I would recommend this to somebody in the future, the things that I've found out about, you have to really watch with like suppressing or uh, supplementing with hydrocortisone. But I was put on Cortez, so hydrocortisone tablets, um, and I would supplement that throughout the day to be able to get through uh, the stressors or just the average stress during the day. Um, he had also put me on uh, fluconazole and nystatin because I had had some bacterial overgrowth within my gut. So those were some antibiotics that we ended up running. We did that a couple of times as well. And he actually put me on armor thyroid to be able to help with my suppressed thyroid or um, lower suboptimal thyroid numbers. So those were the medications that I was put on. And then when it came to supplements, um, anything to support the gut, looking at the right type of probiotic, um, mitochondrial support. I added in my own um, biohacking supplements. You and I, um, outside of this podcast, we were talking about Protandum Nerf 2, looking at Nerf 2 activation. So I could literally give you a list of like 20 different supplements that I had experienced just within those first three months. Alyssa, are you familiar with adaptogenic herbs and what, and have you- Oh, absolutely. Them? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we had a bunch of different supplements that we did in order to help to soothe and calm the adrenals. Um, what you do have to make sure of though, if you have low cortisol levels with specific adaptogenic herb blends, some can actually suppress cortisol more. And we may want to do that to soothe the adrenals and to soothe the you know, adrenal response. But when someone is in that stage where they're not any longer in like the alarm stage, when you're going through um, like a, adrenal alarm stage or resistance stage and then adrenal exhaustion, you have to watch when and how often you use adrenal supporting supplements versus, you know, some type of adrenal soothing supplements that could have adaptogenic herbs that actually blunt cortisol levels. And you don't need that because they're already blunted, if that makes sense. It can be, it's a fine dance depending on what your levels look like personally. Alyssa, can you talk to us more about what ProTandem is and how it helped you in your recovery? Yeah, so ProTandem Nerf 2 is something that um, it, it has been out for years, 
right? So some people may know they may have seen it in like GNC or vitamin shop before. It's not there anymore. It's actually just um, a direct sales company because they need people to tell this story that I'm about to tell you. Um, but I actually discovered that three months after I started to see my integrative MD, right? So at this point, I was five years into my Lyme diagnosis. I had never heard of that before, but this is when um, somebody actually approached me saying, you may want to look into this because a Nrf2 activator, Nrf2 is a gene in the body. Um, and so it, in, basically when you stimulate it with proteanum Nrf2, you can increase your antioxidant by a rate of a million per second in, my, in your body. And so it will totally outnumber anything that you could possibly do uh, nutrition-wise or other supplementation-wise, right? So it's not necessarily a supplement. It is an activator. But when it comes to like the FDA, something has to be classified as either a prescription medication or a supplement. There is no in-between. But it is actually activating your body's own gene to be able to increase um, antioxidant production, glutathione, SOD, some really important survival enzymes in your body that no matter what other supplements I was taking, it wasn't going to be doing the, the, the benefit that ProTandem Nurse 2 had. So I started taking that about three months into, it was October 2015, so three months into seeing my integrative MD after we had started his protocol. And within three weeks of me being on that, I was able to actually eat foods that I had been diagnosed as, you know, intolerant to or sensitive to my irritable bowel very much decreased. My inflammation went down and I was actually able to um, enjoy a night out with my husband where before when we would go out, typically we would order dinner. I would eat and then I'd go sleep in the car while he finished his dinner or finished talking to our friends. Cause I could never stay out for longer than like an hour or an hour and a half. So it helps me to naturally be able to activate my own body's potential and biohack my biology to be able to begin healing. With protandem, is there such a thing as too much too fast? Meaning, can you get a Herx reaction or, or have a negative oh, reaction yeah. if you go too aggressively with it? Oh, yeah. And I didn't know that when I started. So um, you can actually take protandem several times a day if you want to space it out. But I had some symptoms rear their heads. Uh, right. And I just kind of learned this as I went, but you absolutely can have a Herxheimer. Um, even somebody that was never diagnosed with Lyme, like they can have just detoxification symptoms in general. Some people will have headaches. I hadn't had a headache in a while. Like I'm not somebody that gets regular headaches. I had headaches for the first two weeks because I was detoxing hard and I had had gut disturbances, I guess, I guess I should say like more irritable bowel like symptoms for the first two weeks that I hadn't had in a little while, I had had them before, but not to that degree. And I was like, what is going on? And it's because my body was detoxing. So if I would have known what I know now, then while I was taking pro tandem, I would have also taken a high quality binder to be able to help to buffer some of those toxins that were being released and aid in the removal of them from my body. So Alyssa, is the idea behind this that the protandem is very, very good at killing off the Lyme bacteria, and if it's done in excess, then your body can properly eliminate the, the die-off of the bacteria, and therefore you have symptoms. Is that, is that the thought process? Well, I can't necessarily say that it kills off Lyme bacteria. Like, that's a big statement to make. I, legally, I can't even say that, and I would want to have a study to prove that. But what protandem does when it's upregulating these, like, survival genes and it's upregulating antioxidants, you need antioxidants, you need these things in order to be able to reduce the oxidative stress in your body. So what I can legally say is that protandem has been proven to reduce 
the oxidative stress in your body by an average of 40% within 30 days in as little as 30 days, right? So you're able to reduce that oxidative stress, which is tied to, you know, a million different diseases, everything from poor sleep to migraines to cancer. And you have a high amount of oxidative stress when you have Lyme. So I'm not going to say it kills off the bacteria, but it's reducing the oxidative stress that Lyme causes and that life causes and that other stressors cause so that your body is in a better state to be able to heal. So that's what I would be comfortable saying. So is it fair to say, to summarize that, that it's actually strengthening your body to do what it was designed to do, which is to fight off these foreign substances? Spot on. Absolutely upregulates your body's ability to be able to deal with stressors, for sure. And if any of our listeners want to learn more about ProTandem, and I can say that I have several family members who have significantly benefited from it as well, can they contact you on Instagram at biohackingbombshell to learn more? Yeah, they absolutely can. And I just say, I, I appreciate you mentioning that. Um, I love talking about this supplement. It is absolutely something that you could just go and, and type into Google and you could pull up the company's website. Um, but because if someone is, you know, wanting to look at it, and I would really appreciate the, the support of you coming and talking to me about it. I'm more than happy to give you more information. Um, but to also have the discussion of, how should you be taking it with your specific journey? Because you do have to be careful with somebody with Lyme. Maybe they want to start with half a tablet. Maybe they want to do other things to be able to buffer this. So they could reach out to me on any platform and I'm more than happy to give them more information. So listen, you've come a really, really long way over quite, quite a long time. So can you give us an assessment of how you're feeling today in general and how you feel your health has progressed since your diagnosis? Yeah, that's a difficult question to ask. I think anybody that has been through like a chronic illness like Lyme would say that when somebody asks how you're doing, sometimes it's good. And other times, like we've talked about how healing isn't linear and <laughs> um, people listening to this understand that. But there have been other health complications that have come along the way ever since I found out about Lyme, um, things that I didn't realize that I had. Once I wasn't getting better, I had to start looking at things such as co-infections. Um, I had to look at things such as, you know, mold toxicity or heavy metal toxicity that those toxicities can get trapped in biofilms of Lyme. And so have I progressed in um, my healing from Lyme? Yes, but I have had other issues that I've had to deal with as well, such as right now I'm detoxing from mold. So it's kind of a two-part question. I absolutely have worked on healing from Lyme. I still do have the antibodies. I still do have chronic Lyme. I just recently did a test. Um, to be able to look at that, but I have other things I still am working on healing from. So Alyssa, we talked a little bit earlier about how your journey has changed you professionally. Can you give us some more specifics on how you are now working with your clients differently than you would have had you not had this journey? If I didn't have this journey, I don't know if I would have learned about how many root causes to issues that there are. Because the education that I got in my four-year degree, in my personal training certification, et cetera, that didn't prep me for any of this. You have to really look at the cellular healing. You have to look at the root causes. And I didn't realize that you know, um, toxicities and nutrient deficiencies and all that also played a role in me being able to heal from this. It's one of those things where you just don't know what you don't know. And until I went through it, I didn't even realize that this could be an issue. You know, if someone wasn't losing weight or if someone wasn't having more energy or whatnot, if I wouldn't have gone through this journey, 
I would have, I probably would have thought, you know what, they're probably just not eating the meal plan I'm giving them. They're probably just, you know, you can come up with all these other reasons. And maybe I would have been one of those people that thought, oh, they're just crazy or oh, there's a hypochondriac. When you go through it and you are forced to learn about the other things that you don't see externally that are going on at a cellular level, then you can treat the person and you can treat the symptoms, not just even necessarily just lab data or what the person visually looks like. So Alyssa, let's talk about from the neck up because so many of the people that we've interviewed in the past have had their belief destroyed. Uh, they've lost their friends, they've lost their families, and they've lost faith in themselves. How has your journey put you in a position where you can help people through that portion of their journey? You have to master what's going on from the neck up or you're not going to get the results and the healing from the neck down. And um, I... I realized that once I started learning more about the science behind mindset as well, it's not just a, oh, la, 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 hippity, dippity, whatever. Like some people look at, you know, mindset or meditation as something that should be um, more of like a luxury or it's like an optional thing versus a necessity because no matter whether it's a physical stressor of Lyme or a perceived stressor because of, you know, what you're going through mindset wise, just dealing with the challenges of Lyme and, um, you know, being isolated and just all the emotional roller coaster that goes along with it, it has the same chemical effect and chemical reaction in your body. So even if you heal from Lyme, if you are not mastering your mindset, if you're not learning to rewire your brain, your subconscious body, you could still be stuck in that limbic system trauma loop. You could still be stuck in that that fight or flight state, even after you're healing, even if you're doing all the right protocols and you're taking all the right measures, because your brain will still toxify your body. And so that's why I take such a very focused approach, no matter what type of client I'm working with on making sure that you're mastering from the neck up, because that determines the success of your other results. You cannot outwork or out supplement that portion of your health. So, Felissa, if someone wanted to work with you, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? And what would you initially offer to them? So, if someone would want to work with me, they could either, I apologize if you can hear my dogs barking in the background. <laughs> I have fur babies, so excuse that. As far as somebody wanting to reach out to me, I have multiple platforms. Whether somebody wants to reach out via email, I'm sure you guys will put some of this stuff in the show notes. Um, whether they want to reach out to me through Facebook or Instagram, any way that somebody can contact me, I'm always more than happy to interact with them. Um, and then when it comes to uh, my first steps that I would take with them, um, I will do a free breakthrough session um, when somebody gets started just to see if we're even a right fit. So that is where we schedule a time that works best for me, that works best for them. And uh, we get about a 45-minute session scheduled out where we get on a Zoom call. So, you know, a, a, a virtual call. I know it's a very personal experience going through this journey. So I want to do as close to face-to-face -to -face as we can and be able to figure out what their journey looks like, what they have tried in the past, what they are looking for as far as assistance and healing. Um, it could be a matter of they just need a specific product or course pointing them in the right direction, or they want, may want customized coaching. So I want to hear more about what their needs are, and then I'll give my um, the health professional opinion on what I think would be the best for their healing. And from there, we end up moving on in whichever way we see fit. 
So Alyssa, I'm going to ask you one last question. If your husband was out walking one of your fur babies, came in to see you and had a tick biting him on his leg, what would you recommend that he do so that he wouldn't have to go on the terrible journey that you had to go on? I would tell him to go to my, uh, the, the Lyme literate doctor that I had seen. Either one of the ones, I actually recently just switched health professionals because the one that I first went to was very much focused just on Lyme. He did treat some other things, but two thirds of his practice is Lyme. So I would be telling him to go there because that's more of what he specializes in. But also the 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 functional nurse practitioner that I see now is very literate in that. So making sure that they would see a Lyme literate doctor or practitioner that also takes the integrative approach and is looking at co-infections and all the other systems of the body. Thank you for listening to the Tick Bootcamp interview with Alyssa LaScala. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Alyssa LaScala, please visit her Instagram page at biohackingbombshell. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of this post. Third, we here at Tick Bootcamp have created a Tick Bite Blueprint, which has been inspired by the information that has been shared with us by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at www.tickbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. We would appreciate it if you would contact us with any suggestions you have for improvements. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify to get your automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, we thank you, our listeners, for your comments on our past podcast episodes. Please take a minute to leave us an honest review on iTunes, on Instagram, or on our website. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. Thank you for listening.